welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. In today's episode, I interviewed Jenna Ryan, the co-founder and CEO of Eucora. Eucora is dedicated to providing women with research-backed, efficacious solutions to urinary tract health. Eucora was created by Jenna Ryan, who was a UTI chronic sufferer and her biochemist partner, Spencer Gordon. They were both fed up with the heavy antibiotic rotation that acted more like a band-aid to the underlying problem. This experience inspired Jenna and Spencer to start Eucora. Leveraging the best clinical research available, the couple began formulating effective urinary tract health products. With UTIs affecting half of all women and being the second most common infection, it's time for a fresh proactive approach. Since launching in 2017, Ucor has been able to help over 50,000 women get ahead of their UTIs. They're offering our listeners today 20% off of their products. If you go to ucora.com, use promo code FEMTECH20. Enjoy the interview. Hey, Jenna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. This is a very interesting topic today, UTIs and, you know, supplements to prevent them. Um, I love preventative. We've talked a lot on the show about preventative medicine. So this is going to be really exciting. Yeah, looking forward to diving in. Where are you located? Where are you right now? I'm in San Diego, California. San Diego. All right. West Coast. That's um, right. <laughs> Well, let's kick off the interview by you telling us more about yourself. Our listeners love to know who our guest is. So, you know, where did you grow up? What did you study? Um, what did, you know, your life look like? And how'd you end up here? Yeah, um, I grew up in the Bay Area in California. I, I haven't gone too far. Um, I've been in California most of my life. So um, I went to school at UC Santa Barbara. I've been lucky to live on the coast pretty much my whole life. My time in UC Santa Barbara was awesome. Um, I studied environmental studies there. Uh, Never really did much with that directly, but it's still definitely uh, a part of my value system. And I feel really lucky to have gotten to study it. And pretty much right away after college, got into tech, moved back to the Bay Area, I worked at a company called DocuSign for a little over four years, which was an incredible experience um, because the company was around 300 people when I started and I think close to 2000 when I left, it grew really quickly and I got a ton of great experience that that scaled with the company when I was there. I was focused on e-commerce, direct-to-consumer the whole time at DocuSign, which ended up applying really well to, to sort of my next life at Eucora. Um, and got started in Eucora because uh, I've always been prone to UTIs. And so this was happening alongside everything else in my life. 
Uh, and I'm in really good company. It's the second most common infection in the U.S. and UTIs affect half of all women. Wow. I didn't know that at the time. At the time, I just knew it was something that was really, really tough for me to handle, uh, but was sort of like private and a little isolated in that problem. You know, there's so many femtech problems that are like that, where women think like, oh, this is just my problem. I'm unique. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm have to carry this, you know, I'm sure nobody else is dealing with it the way I am. But then when we look at the statistics, we're like, oh, damn, most, most people, most women <laughs> are experiencing yeah. that. Yeah. It's wild. And then I, I think when you've had a problem like that, and then you suddenly realize how widespread it is, mm-hmm. it creates this sort of perfect storm of like indignance and motivation mm-hmm. where like, we, can't, we can't keep living this way in the shadows about this problem. Um, so that was sort of the, the background of what uh, inspired Eucora. Um, Eucora got started in 2017, but has been around a bit before that in sort of beta mode, more of just us trying to figure out uh, sort of like solutions that would work for me um, and started to experiment with some uh, sort of like over-the-counter solutions that had some really great science behind it, but that were sort of disparate and being used in different ways and started to work with physicians and urologists and develop products based off the best research we were seeing uh, to really help people get proactive about urinary tract health. So that's sort of the, the genesis. Um, and, uh, you know, I eventually this side hustle became full hustle. I left DocuSign to work on Eucora. Amazing. And you keep saying, uh, you know, we, who's your partner? Yes, my partner in the business is actually my partner in life. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my background uh, was in UTIs and e-commerce. His background in molecular biology, and obviously oh, we have a share. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can see the connection. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. both intimately familiar with this problem yes. at that point. Oh my gosh. And so where is Eucora today? What are you, what is your actual product? Mm-hmm. We have a, we have seven different products and they're all focused on urinary tract health and UTIs. Um, we have a handful of products that are specific for UTI symptom control. So that point when you know you have an infection and need to manage the pain before you can see a practitioner. Um, we have uh, cleansing wipes. And then our flagship product line, which has been around from the start and is definitely most popular, is our proactive care line. And that's three different products that help people um, stay ahead of urinary tract health. And uh, there's a drink mix and two dailies. We started with the drink mix. That's, I think, sort of our most recognizable product and the product that we have had since the start. And that's an individual stick pack that you can drink after activities uh, like sex or exercise that, that might present a little more risk uh, to help flush the urinary tract. Um, and then the other two proactive care products uh, are daily. One is called Euphora Control that helps cleanse the bladder of biofilm, uh, mm. which is bacteria that can stay hidden from um, past infections. And then a vaginal probiotic, which is oral but is specific to vaginal health. Uh, with a, a handful of strains that are sort of the good bugs to help regulate urinary tract health. Vaginal health is actually really related to urinary tract health. I have so many questions. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I have a question about this and this and this. All right, um, <laughs> let's start with, um, all right, why, 
why women, why the vagina, obviously you started, you said things like sex and exercise and wipes and, you know, like, so what is it about women that leads us to be more susceptible to urinary tract infections? Yeah. So a, a lot of it's anatomical. Um, we have a shorter urethra than men. So bacteria doesn't have to travel as far mm. to reach the urinary tract. Um, and it is disproportionately women who are affected by UTIs over men. But interestingly, that, that starts to change in older age and men actually start to experience uh, a lot more UTIs and mm. sort of that much older demographic. Um, but still at a lower rate. So we'll, we'll kind of focus on the core, which yeah. is women. And um, most of our customers are women accordingly. So anatomy is a big part of it, including the short urethra and also the proximity of the um, vagina to the anus. So bacteria can travel pretty easily mm -hmm. uh, just because there's not a lot of ground that it has to cover, which again is different than men. Um, and then there's just some interesting and sort of like emerging understanding of this sort of lock and key situation that happens with certain women and not others. Because if you're someone who's struggling with UTIs consistently, it's so strange that there are other people in your life who are doing exactly what you're doing in terms of hygiene and preventative measures, mm -hmm. and they've never gotten a UTI and they might never. Mm. And so there's been some interesting research that shows that if you take the same strain of bacteria and plant it into 10 different mice urinary tracts, there will be a whole spectrum of how the, the mice's um, bladder responds to that bacteria introduction. Mm -hmm. And pretty much like half of them will get a UTI and half of them won't. And so you'll see that that doesn't have anything to do with whether people are like wiping fastly or peeing yeah. after sex, although the, that helps if you're prone, but there's sort of this like baseline fundamental difference that some people are prone and some people aren't, yeah. sort of regardless of what they're doing. Uh, again, so many questions. Let me start with, uh, I was going to ask previously anyways about wiping. So is that, is this why we're told like as little girls that we should wipe from front to back? Yeah, yeah, it's just sort of that like mechanical difference of, of dragging bacteria backward instead of forward. Okay, next question. You said peeing after sex. So, um, you know, we actually had uh, uh, come and gone, like the post-sex hygiene sponge on this show. And, you know, she actually brought up peeing after sex. And she was like, by the way, everyone, this does not solve for that problem. You should still pee after sex. And honestly, I like re-listen to all these interviews and I was listening to her interview the other day and I was like, damn, I should have asked her like why, because I want to know why I'm so glad I have you now. So you, can you please tell me like, is that that, so that's not like a phony thing. That's a real suggestion that women should take And how and why is that relevant? Yeah. I mean, urinating after sex is sort of our body's best mechanical defense. Like it just flushes the bacteria out of the urinary tract. Um, and you know that sex is a big culprit of introducing bacteria into the urinary tract, like simply just from sort of that like pushing motion where there is bacteria oh. on our skin. That's not, an, that's not an unhealthy thing. That is just yes. a fact. But um, that bacteria can be pushed further up the urinary tract because of that. Um, so it is effective to pee after sex, just flush out whatever may have been introduced. 
But I think it's also important to say that that's just, that won't be enough for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be really frustrating. Um, I think definitely in my own experience, there was a lot of sitting down with my doctor for the umpteenth time and getting sort of the same tips that I've been already implementing religiously. And um, if you just are really prone, that is definitely something that everyone should be doing as a baseline, but it won't always be enough. Yes. Oh my goodness. I think Amy Schumer once in a, in a comedy skit, she was talking about like, and I didn't get up and pee. Like, what am I an animal? You know? And I was, you know, that was a few years ago. And I remember thinking, but why, <laughs> Like, why? I'm so glad that we can uh, have this conversation and know some of the science. And I never really thought about it's because other things are, you know, in the, around the vulva and the vagina that are typically not there, fingers, mouths, skin, different products, toys, whatever, right? So that, that's really, now I'm like, oh, of course, of course, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. Totally. Um, do we know what kind of bacteria this is? Is it, do we know, like, is it Staphylococcus? Is it, what is it? E. coli is responsible for e. 90% of coli. E. coli. I actually worked with E. coli in my doctorate program. Um, I have a love for it because I worked with it, but this, you must hate it. You must hate E. coli, don't you? <laughs> I hate E. coli in this environment. But, you know, I'm open-minded if you want to try it. Tell me some good things about E. coli. <laughs> um, let's talk about the vaginal flora. We actually had a, a nutritionist on here and she kept talking about the uh, microbiome of the stomach, the microbiome, microbiome. And I asked her, I said, yeah, I know it's so important. What about the vaginal flora? And she was like, it's important, but I literally have no idea anything about it. And like, does anybody know? So let me ask you, like, do we, do we know about the vaginal flora and like, how is it important? Is it protective? Is it, you know, what is it composed of all of that? Yeah. We're starting to know more about it. Um, I think sort of with the microbiome research, research, the gut health got a ton of attention early on and it's sort of been um, the leader in like how to understand microbiomes and what what a healthy flora looks like in any given part of the body. But, um, you know, I was at at the Eurobiome conference at UCSD this past spring, which is really cool because it's sort of this group of scientists and healthcare providers and practitioners that are gathering to really try and lead the charge on how urinary health is related to a healthy um, vaginal microbiome and even urinary microbiome. And one thing that's really interesting there is, I think they said it it was either eight or nine years ago. That recently, um, everyone was sure that urine was sterile, um, that like there was no bacteria present in urine and that, like, like that, that is, that's the case. And they actually have found that that's not exactly the case. And aside from that, there's potentially a profile of what like the, a healthy bacterial count looks like, um, and how that relates to the bladder. And oh so my like, gosh. To how we've started to understand that there's sort of like an ideal profile of what a healthy gut looks like that they think can be applied to so many different parts of the body, even your skin, your mouth, your yeah. vagina, your yeah. bladder. Yeah. And so I think like research has trailed on indexing what that looks like mm-hmm. and understanding whether that's 
different for different people and what that sort of like range might be. Uh, but it's becoming pretty clear that there is like a, a microbiome, um, an ideal microbiome and how to sort of like manipulate that for both the bladder and vagina. Um, and I should say like the reason why I talk about those so related is because the microbiome is composed of good and bad bacteria in the vagina. Those bacteria really easily travel to the bladder and then affect either positively or negatively the environment there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that relationship kind of inextricably tied. Do you think that the women that are more susceptible to UTIs have a different flora that's leading to it? There is research, and one research uh, paper in particular found that women who have BV, bacterial vaginosis, which mm-hmm. affects vaginal health, um, are way more likely to have recurring UTIs, actually 14 times more likely. Wow. And how does so a woman like, get that bacterial BV, vaginosis? Yeah, so it can it can like be started through sex. It's sort of just like a, it could be diet, it could be... Uh, a new sex partner it's sort of just like an introduction of something different that starts this chain reaction that can then Uh sort of like self-perpetuate got it it's like an imbalance that didn't reset itself and it got a little out of control yeah it's a it's an overgrowth of a specific kind of bacteria called uh g vaginalis i don't know that one so i have no opinion (laughs) i'm like e coli (laughs) oh you guys should meet (laughs) Um, you know, you said that there's, um, good bacteria and bad bacteria. So your wipes I'm imagining are not like antibacterial, are they? No, no, they're, they're pH balanced and pretty gentle for that reason. pH balance. Oh, tell me about pH. So what it, you know, so for our listeners, pH has to do with like acidity, um, how Mm -hmm. acidic something is. What does that have to do with our vagina and urethra? Yeah, so there's sort of like an ideal range of pH for both the vaginal environment and um, the urine. And if you start to get with that, like uh, out of that range, it can become problematic, uh, mostly because a change in the pH balance can start that process we were describing, Mm -hmm. where it's then easier for sort of one of the bad guy bacteria to start to overgrow. Um, But there's like, this is not my realm of expertise, but there are also like implications if you're trying to get pregnant and you are experiencing mm. vaginal pH that is out of the range of normal where it can make harder for sperm to thrive. And, um, you know, we're again starting to understand a lot more about like how a healthy pH affects all these other really important things in our lives. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's increasingly clear that it is really important. Wow. And so how would somebody get your product? Is it sold, like, is it recommended by doctors? Is it sold in the store? Is it just e-commerce? Yeah, we've actually been all direct to consumer since our start. So you can find us at eucora.com. Um, we're doing tons of sort of like awareness campaigns around medical practitioners. Um, we were sort of like late on the uptake there. We just found that a lot of our customers were telling us that they are like bringing in the product to their doctor and like really wanting their doctors to know about um this sort of breakthrough they've had so that was kind of cool that we like were taking the lead from our customers and are now much more proactive there but we've really been kind of reactive um so we're starting to present it more or to be at more industry conferences and um 
we'd love to be in retail one day if we want to be everywhere our customers are but uh, it's been really effective for us to just reach people online yeah yeah um do you get a lot of referrals and the reason i ask this is because in femtech we noticed that the two ways products are usually sold the most is by a direct referral from an OB-GYN, the woman's OB-GYN, um, or a girlfriend of the woman, right? So a friend of her says, hey, listen, I was struggling with UTIs, you got to try this out. Like that's like number one way to sell. Do you think that that's why you've sold so much? That's definitely a part of our growth. I think if you've been to our website, we have amazing reviews and mm-hmm. I think there's this element of um sort of what you're describing is like women have a little bit of this like drive and responsibility to like pay it forward to the other women in their lives when they found something that's really working for them yes. um which I think is like I love that part of being a woman I think it's like the kind of like community and looking out for each other feel yeah it's probably also a little bit of a side effect that like women's health has been driven by men for way too long so there's sort of like this feeling of like okay this isn't quite working so we're gonna make sure that we're helping each other out and like letting each other know when something is going well yeah um so yes I I think that's a huge component of, of our growth yeah there's always this gentle balance with women in terms of I think our community desires are so important and a beautiful and amazing. And like, that's what makes, you know, a female CEO's company, you know, more together because she cares about their stress level. And, you know, like she actually, she knows they're all their names and stuff. Right. But then, you know, when you're too community, you're like, Oh, we should all be friends and agree on everything. And that's usually where I start to step away from my like feminine energy and I get into my masculine energy and I'm like, mm, I don't care if you don't like me. Like, this is what I think, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that's, that's freeing to be able to tap, tap into that. Totally. Um, so I have this paradigm that if I have a UTI, I should drink cranberry juice. I also thought if I had a yeast infection, I should eat yogurt. And our nutritionist lady uh, on here, she said that has nothing to do with it. And I was like, okay, great. So I, <laughs> I'm like just living in folklores. Um, so can you tell me, is cranberry juice what I should be doing? Or does that have nothing to do with UTIs? Yeah, cranberry juice is probably better than doing nothing. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> But like, actually, so this is, we call cranberry big cran around Eucora. Like there's so much like money put into the messaging of it. And sort of like, if you find research papers that shows cranberry juice is good, and then you kind of follow the money, it's like, there's vested interest for sure. Oh my God. It's like cranberry farms. Yes. But I will say that we also have a lot of people in our community who are like cran loyal. And Mm. I have a little bit of this feeling of like, you know, if you feel like it's working for you, great. Yeah. The research is super inconclusive. There mm. has been a massive amount of research over the last, you know, 40 years. And still there's just like very little consensus. And if you are producing that much research and there's still not like a, a clear trend of success, it probably means that it's not actually effective. Um, And that's my read on it. But the American Medical Association actually came out in 2015 and said the same thing. It was covered by CNN and New York Mm -hmm. Times. 
um, which called cranberry, it, it coined the term cranberry myth. Um, oh my sort of God. Debunking after- the cranberry. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know yeah. what? I, I do believe it probably works because I believed it so much, right? So as I'm drinking the cranberry, I'm like telling my urethra, like, you are cleansed. You are cleansed, <laughs> right? Like, and the placebo is real. Placebo is real. And hydration is a big piece of it. So mm. if you are drinking something that isn't like super sugar laden, if you would otherwise not be drinking anything, that's why I say it's probably better than nothing. Better than nothing, yeah. Is it better than water? I don't think so. But <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I have to like, I have to like call my mom after these interviews, and I'm like, Mom, guess what? Like, <laughs> uh oh, we didn't, we were not doing it right. Um, what are some of the other consequences of having a UTI besides it being very painful to go to the bathroom? Are, are there other like long-term consequences of having that? One thing that's interesting is once you get one UTI, you're likely to get another mm-hmm. um, and in like a quick time frame. And so I think like one consequence of having a UTI is sort of an increased propensity to UTIs. Okay. And, um, some of that is because you need antibiotics to treat UTIs and the antibiotics can then strip your body of a lot of the good bacteria it needs to stay regulated. So yes. it can kind of start a spiral effect where your body has less defense on its own. Yes. Some of that is because of biofilm um, where once bacteria has made its way into your bladder, it can make itself a bit of a home and create a protective shield that uh, allows bacteria to stay hidden from your immune system and antibiotics and release itself at a later time, Um, whether that's because you're stressed or run down, um, you know, it's good at sort of, or rather they, bacteria are good at knowing when it's an opportune time to reappear. Those little bastards, really. It's like (laughs) latent viruses and bacteria that are, you know, latent, so like hiding, um, I hate it. I hate that they wait for your immune system to be down because you're either so stressed or you're really sick from something else. And then they come out. I'm like, I think that's the cruelest thing. I'm actually okay, okay with them hiding in my body. I'm like, whatever evolution, but like you come out when I'm really sick or stressed, like that's just cruel. Yeah, you got to kick a girl when she's down. Yes. Oh, my God. I hate it. (laughs) And for our listeners, just to kind of elaborate a little bit more about biofilms, because I did work with bacteria, I want you to imagine essentially a big ball of snot. That is what a biofilm is. It is like a lot of bacteria that got together, clumped together, and now it's like a super snowball of bacteria that is much harder to kill than if the bacteria were floating around by themselves. So that's, that's what you're talking about, right? That this clump in your bladder. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. And I actually yeah. wanted to bring up antibiotics. Um, so, you know, I, gosh, I hate that we are in 2020 and you have a bacterial infection and a cut on your foot and you are given antibiotics that kill all the bacteria in your entire body. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. What? How is this not make this not making sense, y'all? And so, um, I've in the past I've gotten UTIs or I've had you know some imbalance, and um, I know that if I go to the doctor, they're gonna give me antibiotics. They're gonna just say, well, let's just reset. Let's just do the whole thing. And I have really tried to um, always try to find natural ways to get back before I have to do the antibiotic because 
I have had other consequences due to taking the antibiotics and now I'm dealing with those consequences. So that's out of balance and blah, 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 right? And so um, I'm actually really into oils. I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, but I'm really into like um, doTERRA. This is not an ad, but doTERRA oils, um, you know, and I have my little doTERRA oil dealer. She's like, she's like the lady who sells it. She's not a dealer, but I make this joke, right? (laughs) That I'll text her with like random symptoms about something. And I'm like, which oil should I use? And she's like, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, oh my God, I want to say melatonin and that's not what it is. Oh my goodness. Well, Sorry, listeners. I apparently am dropping the ball and coming up with <laughs> names on on these oils. But nevertheless, like she suggests those to to balance your flora. Anyways, my question for you is um, antibiotics. There's half half of these women who get the UTIs have like chronic UTIs. Obviously, I think that the taking antibiotics lifelong is obviously not the solution. Um, can you tell us about some of the consequences of taking a lot of antibiotics? Yeah, I mean, it ranges for everyone. It can be things like indigestion mm-hmm. um, or, you know, sort of what I was describing where there's sort of the secondary effect where you take antibiotics and then you get a yeast infection, then you get another UTI. So your body yeah. was just never able to like rebalance and fend for itself. I think that's a pretty common cycle. Um, and an increasing risk is antibiotic resistance, which is sort of on the extreme Mm -hmm. spectrum where, you know, that can get into sort of a life threatening territory, because if you are, you have a UTI and your doctor's trying a couple antibiotics, but you've become resistant to those ones, the infection meanwhile can be progressing to a kidney infection, um, you know, in an extreme case, you can go into septic shock, but there's sort of this full range of um, more extreme escalation that can happen. And people who, you know, a lot of uh, researchers and medical practitioners who are really uh, shepherding the antibiotic stewardship efforts Mm -hmm. and to really making a call to ask ask, um, professionals to prescribe less antibiotics are beating the drum that UTIs are one of the huge culprits of antibiotic overuse. And in the course of um, 10 years, the amount of of UTIs that were resistant to antibiotics, I think doubled. And I'll like pull up that stat and and send it to you for the show notes. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure I'm saying that getting that number exactly correct but it it's a serious issue among people who have chronic UTIs yeah it's especially tough for older people UTIs like are completely age agnostic we talk Mm. about UTIs a lot as sort of like a younger woman's problem because they're sort of talked about in terms of sex yeah but that's not really true like yes sex is often sort of the first trigger for Mm -hmm. women but women will get another hit another sort of like life lifestyle trigger when they reach menopause, mm-hmm. and then as they continue to age all the way through more of that like senior age group, um, UTIs can become more common and more severe. So if you're in that more vulnerable older population and you're on antibiotics all the time, that is super super rough on the body. Well, I just remember what the oils are. It's melaleuca and eucalyptus. <laughs> it's not <laughs> melatonin. It's not. 
Melaleuca. Yes. Um, you know, because this antibiotic resistance problem is, is huge and it's mounting and we, we're not creating new antibiotics. And once these are done, like we're kind of screwed. Um, wow. This has been super informative. I've learned a lot today. I've learned why I have to pee after sex. I just took mm -hmm. it for granted. Now I know why I've learned that maybe cranberry juice is just a placebo. Um, and you know, and I've learned that there are so many women suffering from UTIs that probably think that they're just uniquely, you know, cursed with this, but they're not, you're not ladies, you're not. Um, so Jenna, I want to ask you two more questions. The first one is that we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, that are listeners to this podcast and they're interested in women's health and wellness. Um, what area in women's health and wellness do you think still needs innovating? I uh, am excited to start to see more innovation around menopause. Mm -hmm. I think that that sort of lags a little bit on the femtech front. Like I think we were sort of starting more with younger women problems, and I've been really excited to see that sort of shift. Um, this is something I've thought more about through the lens of Eucora, because like I mentioned, menopause is a trigger for a lot of women, maybe oh. who have never even gotten UTIs before and suddenly are. Yes. Um, and it's just wild to me that so many people don't realize that their UTIs like might be tied to their journey with menopause. Mm -hmm. I think the like lack of conversation around menopause is shameful. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think especially about how much we talk about like first periods and like mm -hmm. sort of that like start of puberty yes. related to how little we talk about the exit yep. of um, those, those years. And I, again, just think there's a lot more to do there. So that's exciting to start yeah. to see. A lot of our um, guests have said menopause. So I hope at this point there's at least three people. I'm going to see three people working on a menopause solution because <laughs> there's obviously a lot of work to be done there. Um, yeah. Actually, like one company that we've partnered with recently is called Genev. Mm -hmm. And they're really cool. So quick plug for Genev because they um, one of the things they do in particular is they have a telemedicine arm and it's all practitioners who really really care about like getting to the root problem with yes. menopause and they have like a 60 minute consultation which you just like almost never get that much time with your like primary no no never <laughs> their intake form is like 35 symptoms and that's like how broad and hard to pinpoint menopause can be. So yeah, um, yeah there, there's one off the top of my head that I'm excited to see. Genev, we love Genev, by the way. We do love, we love them. They're awesome. Awesome. Um, and then our last question is, what do you think femtech as an industry needs the most right now in order to be successful? I think I'm excited to see more and more um, sort of like clinical focus and like deep science roots coming. I think mm -hmm. like femtech in some ways, I think about how important like Instagram and influencers were to the start of like women in D2C in particular. And, you know, like say what you want about influencer marketing. I think it like really did sort of like present this first wave of, um, women entrepreneurship yes. and I think that like it's had its time a bit and it's starting to recede which I personally think is good from like mm -hmm. just sort of like a 
um, science and legitimacy perspective. Yes, and yes. I'm, I'm excited to see there's a lot more um, sort of like, I don't want to say substance, but focus on like the, the, the more like deep science roots of, of these emerging healthcare startups. Yes, I love it. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of these things, like we know something's a problem, but we don't have the statistics on it. Or we know something like, um, you know, we had keg on here. We were talking about cervical fluid is important for fertility, but no one's really measured it or why, you know, like no, no one's really measured how it's changed throughout the month or how it changes in fertility. And so um, a lot of femtech founders today are doing the research. They are collecting the data. They're creating the data, you know, and publishing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking to the Instagram thing, uh, my co-founder, Dr. Julie Hakim, actually just launched a Instagram page called Somos, G-Y-N, and it's specifically for uh, young uh, Latina girls to learn about nutrition um, because in her clinic, she's a pediatric gynecologist, her clinic, she sees a lot of Latina girls uh, so overweight, so malnutritioned, you know, in, in an excess way that they haven't, they don't have their period. And so that's why they go in to see her. And so she's like, these girls ain't going to read my pamphlet. These 13 year old, you know, they're going to read my pamphlet. They're they want to follow something on Instagram, you know? And so she, she's targeting them where they're at. That's really cool. Yeah. That's like an awesome evolution of the channel. Like it's yes. just such an effective communication yeah. stream, especially depending on who you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. Well, Jenna, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. We are definitely going to put your website and everything in the show notes. Um, uh, I feel, you know what? I'm not even going to say it. Don't want to jinx myself, but if I ever need it, I know your website. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was going to say? I'm not going to say it. Uh, yeah, but don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there, y'all. <laughs> so just keep peeing after sex. Keep wiping from front to back. And uh, and if you have an issue, Eucora is your solution. Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Jenna Ryan, the co-founder and CEO of Eucora. Eucora is very focused on elevating research in the space and are currently running pharmaceutical grade clinical trials on their products. So cool. Also, did you know that the American Medical Association published a study debunking the cranberry myth in 2016? I think I still may drink it, placebo effect, but uh, wow, actually debunked 2016. Don't forget to purchase your Eucora products using promo code FEMTECH20 for 20% off your order. And I want to let everybody know about a really fun series we're doing every Thursday. We are uh, in partnership with the Guild doing an AMA, Ask Me Anything, with a FemTech expert. You can learn more about these events by subscribing to our newsletter at femtechfocus.org. All right, Fem fans, if you're not already, also follow us on social media at FemTechFocus. Subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend. And until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.